Success in life, in business, it's not about vision. It's about action, your ability to be effective at leading your team. From Tallahassee to the Keys and everywhere in between, this is Education Elevated on the FLCMAA Podcast Network. I mean, imagine if your job worked that way. If every day when you arrived on stage, people spontaneously burst into a round of applause, like, oh yes, you came back again. <laughs> so you deserve that, I think. No, I started with that video just really to kind of plant some seeds of thinking in your mind about your personal development, your professional challenges, the, the relationship sort of between the two and how they prepare you to negotiate change. Maybe why are you even in this field to begin with? Why did you become a club manager? What is that path? We're gonna explore those questions and, and perhaps shift your thinking somewhat in terms of um, this whole question in and around work, life, growth, balance. But you know what? My goal, I've got this little window of time to really inform you, like to educate, to, to give you something you can use. And I, I don't think we, we started appropriately. I mean, if I really wanted to earn the right and connect with you quickly, uh, how could I have done that differently? Maybe instead of the video, imagine this. What if when Ken said, help me welcome Dan, okay? I came up to the stage, running up these stairs, and then it got interesting. In front of the American flag, I would throw my body into a round off. Yeah, if you don't know, it's like a cartwheel with your feet together. I'd be facing this way. I'd launch my body feet from my feet to my hands, then back to my feet, landing finally, ready to begin. What do you think? Yeah, that would be good. That would be good. Could you imagine the energy in the room would be much, much different? It, yeah, don't, I'm not taking requests. No splits. These are not that loose. Uh, no, you'd be a lot more engaged, curious about what I was going to say and do next. And I'm willing to bet that because I described it for you in detail, you can already see it happening, right? Indulge me with a show of hands if you can picture me pulling this up. Look at that. Most of the room, which is fantastic and also means we don't have to do it. So moving on. I mean, you have the image, you have the vision. Isn't, isn't that enough? No. All right. Absolutely not. No, you know, success in life, in business, it's not about vision. It's about action, your ability to be effective at leading your team, attracting the best talent, growing your members, you know, serving your members to the degree of, that they expect and demand, which is increasing. It's about what you're capable of, of performing every time that you step on stage. So I'm starting over, and this will either be a spectacular start or a, an unbelievable finish. But either way, either way, it will be memorable. And I can't do it alone, just as you can't be successful on your own. I wanna know what it feels like when we harness the power of the Club Management Association of America. Hold your hands out about this far apart, please. All right, all of you. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna clap our hands to, together one time. Ready, go. That was amazing. Imagine if your ideas were adopted so easily, right? It's like, yes. Now, to feel the rhythm of working together in sync, we're going to listen, we're going to build on it, getting it going louder and stronger and faster. And when I feel the love in the room, we'll see what happens. But one thing's for sure, for me right now, there's no turning back, is there? 
Not if I want your respect, right? Not if I want your uh, belief or attention. Not if I want to earn the right today as your leader to contribute to your incredible story, your life, your struggles, your opportunities, right? And that's the message. If you're serious about growth personally or professionally, often you just need to voice the intention. Speak it into reality, because when you do, you find a new level of commitment inside of you, you see new resources around you much differently, including the value of this association, and we all stretch together. I know we do, I know we need to, uh, some of you more than others, right? But it's, all, it's always about following through. So I'm starting over, you ready? Hands out, deep breath. Mainly that's for me, but thank you, I appreciate it. And let's go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, CMAA Florida, if you will, one more time, help me welcome Dan Thurman. Hey. Can you feel the difference? How many of you are relieved, be honest? <laughs> Am I suggesting you get so pumped up and inspired that you return to the club and start tumbling through the lobby to inspire your team? Don't do this. But what I'm asking is what are you gonna be willing to do differently? This year, maybe as a result of this meeting or by, by getting connected and inspired by your associates who, who you know so well and respect, right? In my experience of being in this business for 25 years, working with hundreds and hundreds of companies, great leaders all over the world, and actually serving as president of our association, the National Speakers Association, which we just concluded our international conference last week in Denver. Imagine this, 2,000 speakers from all over the world in one hotel at the same time. It's nuts, it's nuts. But, but studying, like, what is it that really enables people to grow? And why do so many fail? It comes, comes down to three different areas for me. And my whole life's work has been in this, these areas. The first is willingness. You can imagine this is like three overlapping circles, a Venn diagram. So the first one is willingness. You could put a big W in that circle, which is this whole concept of you know, motivation, of being willing, not just wanting something, but being able to apply your will to the challenge. And it's tested over and over again because what you thought was required will change in real circumstances. So we need to be clear about how willing are you, right, to really achieve what you want, to grow as a leader, and in connecting with your team to understand where their head's at. And if you can't get that piece aligned, you're not gonna get very far, right? But if people are willing, then the second circle over here is abilities. Okay? You put the big A over there, right? Which is skill sets, knowledge base. What is it we need to understand and master in order to accomplish this objective? We've got a goal. But then the third piece down here, which often gets neglected, is capacity. Capacity. Your personal bandwidth. How much can you handle? How overloaded are you? 
you know, managing your time, learning. Are you learning too quickly? Are you overburdened? People, there's just so many people who know what they want. They're willing to go get it. They know exactly what's required, but they're never going to get there because they're just full. What if we could increase our capacity at the same time through life? If you didn't view it as completely fixed, but as uh, growing, ever expanding. A year from now, you're a better, faster learner than you ever were before, right? And it goes down to this question of balance, which you heard about, you learned about. In the video, you saw a little thing about it. And I wrote this book off balance on purpose because uh, you know, people viewed balance that way it, as a future goal. If I can work hard enough, smart enough, or long enough, I'm eventually gonna get to this future moment where everything simplifies and makes perfect sense and I have achieved balance. And I'm here today to tell you that life balance is a concept that is intriguing and desirable and also completely unrealistic. You will never achieve perfect balance because life's not a hypothetical future. Life is an undeniable present. It's happening now. It, it, the only chance you get is the present moment. Your ability, in fact, if you look at anything you have in your life right now, personally or professionally, what are your abilities? What, are, you know, what have you captured? What goals have you accomplished? How are your relationships? Who you are today is nothing more than your ability to leverage all of the moments of your past to this one. And so if we desire to grow and become better and lead at a higher level and, and build a phenomenal club and, and grow our membership and just be happier in life, all of these things, you know, you have to first commit to expanding those moments, to becoming a much better master of those moments because that's all you get, right? So uh, life's not a hypothetical future. It's an undeniable present. And balance is not what you get. Balance is what you do. I'll show you. I came up here uh, this morning. I haven't tried this yet, but I saw this lectern, which has seen a lot of meetings. Uh, you know, so I think it's missing a wheel. But it reminds me a little bit of like your foundations. When you think about the economy, the, your health, your, your staff, all of the platforms on which we try to just position our success, they look solid and then something hits it from the you know, outside and, and it shakes the foundation pretty quickly. Right? So the question isn't how do you stop the uncertainty? The question is how do you position yourself on top of it? Pay attention. I'm not sure how long this will last. Wait. There you go. Yeah, but if you were watching, I was never balanced. I was balancing, making constant adjustments, working really, really hard, and after all that energy and effort, I haven't gone anywhere. I'm still in the same place, I'm just a lot more exhausted. Are you with me? This is how most people engage change. When they're faced with uncertainty, they say, what do I need to do to protect myself, to stay safe, to keep what I have, to do what I'm doing? and they wear themselves out without going anywhere. Then others like you say it's out of the uncertainty where the opportunity resides. If you can see it, then if you can lean in and go off balance on purpose. Off balance is a good thing. You must be off balance to grow. 
you know, anything you want in life, you can attain or you have attained because you were biased in that direction. We're off balance toward our, our goals, our beliefs, our faith, our principles. We were, we're biased toward what matters, but driven by a sense of purpose and mission and meaning. And you're the one on purpose who drives the process. Rather than responding to things coming at you, as a leader, you're the one who initiates the right changes for the right reasons, right? And, and it, you know what, sometimes those big bold moves, those challenges that impact you and really shape who you are or why you work in this field, uh, never really come at you by choice, but by circumstances. I'm gonna tell a quick story about it. It'll seem totally unrelated right now, but this was uh, about a young man named Harry, Harry Lind. Harry Lind. Now you don't know Harry. He was born in 1879, grew up in a very poor family. So when he was a kid, he didn't go to school like his friends. He went to work every single day in a furniture factory. And he thought this would be his job, his career for life. But one day, at 11 years old, Harry was going to work. He boarded the freight elevator that would take him down to the factory floor. And it just started to move when the cable that held the elevator simply snapped. It fell and crashed at the bottom of the shaft. He was by himself. There was nothing to stop that heavy steel cable because there was no ceiling on the elevator. So the, the cable itself came down and struck this kid unconscious and near death and partially paralyzed. When he awoke, he could barely move his hands. And the doctors told him, you're not gonna recover from this, not completely. But they gave him uh, a tool, right? It was a wooden club and this was shaped like, you know, small at one end with a handle, and then it beveled and it went up to a bigger bell. And the doctor said, just hold this in one hand. These were used for exercise. And he couldn't, he could barely, you know, move his hand, but he finally built the strength to hold it, and that was his first accomplishment. Just as when you're facing uncertainty or challenges or setbacks, that's the first goal, is just to get a grip, right? To be able to wrap your thinking and your personal experience around what's really happening. Getting a grip, grip, which means grasp reality so you can influence the process. Grasp reality, influence the process. You can't always control the outcome, right? But you can most usually, most always affect the process. So he started working with this club and the doctor told him to make a small circle. He said, as you get a little bit more range of motion, stretch through it, stretch through the pain. Maybe you can do it with both hands, possibly use both arms. Maybe bend your elbow. It's up to you. And he, he accepted that gift, that challenge of the club and worked with it till he was exhausted every single day. He'd have to put it down and rest and regroup so that the next day he could pick it back up again. He was committed. This was his, his future and his, his all-consuming challenge. Well, not only did Harry Lind regain the use of his arms, he also went on to become one of vaudeville's greatest, what do you think? Jugglers. His devotion to juggling was a return on the gift of the club. He wanted to share that with his audiences and with his fellow jugglers, right? He actually started, started an association, very much like this one, although instead of CMAA, it was called the IJA, the International Jugglers Association, which was really eight guys hanging out in New York, right? But they had a vision to elevate the standards of excellence, 
to hold events where they could gather, to challenge each other and encourage each other and share ideas and platforms and compete, right, for prizes and for rewards because they knew they were in it together. And I think that Harry's chosen profession, right, professional juggling, which did involve, by the way, managing quite a few clubs, right, is a lot like what you do every day. Managing complexities, uncertainties, right? You can relate. So let's make this a little bit more specific. If you're sitting in this aisle or in that aisle along the edge, in front of your chairs, there's, there's a stack of peacock feathers. Do you see those right there? I want you to reach around front, grab the stack of peacock feathers, and then you're gonna grab one and pass them this way from the center of the room outwards so that in just a matter of moments, everyone in this room is gonna have one of these peacock feathers and you got it, all right? Cool. Way to follow instructions, you're awesome. Good. Once everybody has one, once you have one, please stand up, all right? And, and watch me up here on stage. Sir, can I borrow your chair just a second? Just hand it up here, I wanna make sure I can see even the folks in the back on the stage. All right, thank you very much. I'll give that back to you in just a moment. All right, we're about to learn something about balance, but I don't want you to get ahead of me, so please watch very carefully for the instructions. First of all, I want you to start with your dominant hand empty in front of you, palm side up, right? So you're just gonna put it out. Then we're gonna take the feather and we're gonna put it in your hand and get ready to balance it. But listen, uh, again, don't let go. First thing I need to explain is this. The key element is that the tip of that feather starts and remains in the center of your hand. So I want you to look at your hand, find a center spot, put the feather in place, and then get ready uh, to let go. But remember, we're gonna keep watching it so to make sure it doesn't move. So I want you to keep looking at your hand the whole time. Okay, ready? Wait, we've got one more thing. Uh, We also need some peacock feather balancing music, right? Which we have right here, thank you. Look down and let go, watch your hand. Keep watching your hand, make sure it doesn't move. Make sure it does not move, not even a little bit. If it does, you have to slide it back and keep watching that hand the whole time, the whole time. It's not going so well, so do me a favor, just try harder. Okay, everybody try a lot harder, not not so much. I tell you what, Mark, just pause that a quick second, quick second, stop everybody. Have you ever tried to accomplish something, but you've been basing your efforts on bad information? I set you up, right, for that challenge by giving you bad information and telling you to do what? To watch your hand, to look down. We're gonna make one, only one simple shift, one change. Feather back in place, and this time, instead of watching your hand, right, I want you to look up, not halfway, not two thirds, but all the way to the very top of the feather, let go, roll the music, and see if you have a different result. Does that feel different? Does that feel better? Just keep watching up on top now. Yeah. You can even move your hand a little bit back and forth underneath, kind of steering it around. Now, try your other hand. Shift to your other hand. Same thing. Look up. Try your other hand. All right. You're doing great. You're doing really well. Either hand, you got this. I think you're ready for an advanced move, an advanced move. Here it comes, watch me. We're gonna look up at the top, right? 
and then you're gonna push your hand up into the air. You're gonna push your palm up vertically very hard. When you do, feather goes into the air. Then I want you to look at the tip of the feather very briefly as you switch to catch it in your other hand and look back at the top. Watch me, watch my eyes. I look up, down, and then back up again from the top to the tip and then back to the top. All right, move your focus up, down, and back up. That's the key. You got it? All right. Very nice, very nice. You got it. A good hard shove will give you more time. So give yourself a good hard shove. There you go. Very nice. Very nice. Perfect. Perfect, perfect. Excellent. All right. You got it. Look up, look up, yeah, good job. All right, next one, oh, no hands, no hands. Just use a different body part, your choice. Your choice, whatever you want. Just make sure you can see the eye at the top. So if you're gonna go like chin, you wanna look up straight up at the feather, right? Or your arm, or your knee, or whatever you want. It's your choice, it's your body. Okay, good job. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, yes. All right. So give it a 10 more seconds on this. I got one more thing I want you to try. Are you ready? Um, this time we're gonna balance the feather and we're gonna walk with the feather. So if you're near the aisles, I want you to come in the aisle, use all the space around the room. All right, you're gonna have to push in your chairs a bit. But in other words, don't get, close your hand. I don't want you to hold, close your hand, but I want you to keep it open as you walk with the feather. Decide where you wanna go and then walk with it, go. All right, you got it. Very nice, very nice, very nice. All my friends. Now, once you're in the open, go a little faster. Try to go faster. Come on, you got this. Move it. Make some progress. Nice, nice, nice. All right. You got it. Move, move, move. Make it happen. All right. Good job, everybody. You're doing fine. Oh, did you get it? All right. Steer the feathers. Steer the feathers back to your seats. Let's keep going. We got a ways to go here now. All right. So everybody's sitting back down. Let me just explain what just happened and what you learned. Feathers are yours to keep if you'd like them. The, um, but here's why they're important and you might want to keep them so that you can share this with your team as well. First of all, you just learned a ton about balance. You were never balanced, you were balancing. You were either trying to keep manage the feather in one space or take it elsewhere, right? However, if we were looking at our hand, if we were saying, where, do, where does my hand need to be at this exact moment? There was a disconnect, a, a sense of anxiety. You were always late in terms of determining what your input needed to be, right? That was, speaks to focus. With one simple shift of your focus, immediately you knew exactly what to do. This is the power of a goal, the power of perspective or purpose, right? Being aligned toward the bigger idea rather than down here where the rules are. It's like, it's like what happens and why are we doing things? Ah, if we can get our team looking up there, then we, they know what to do. They're empowered. They're using their strengths and their confidence. You could do it with either hand. 
This one was about managing your focus, right? From one thing to the next and then back again. The you probably felt at first some anxiety and like you had not enough time, you felt super rushed to make that happen. And then you realize, wait, there, there's tons of time. I can relax into this. I can put my focus here, down, back up again. It doesn't need to overwhelm me. And this is the difference between placing your focus where it needs to be and having your focus pulled from you all the time, which we all know is no fun, right? So how effective are you as a leader at resisting those pulls and placing your focus and empowering others to do the same thing in order to effectively manage in that moment where they have that strength and opportunity. But the real learning was when I asked you to move with the feather because here's what I saw. First of all, people were like, I'm going that way, yes. And then they're like, no, <laughs> right? You hit the resistance and it kicks the feather back and suddenly you're further from where you started. We all get resistance throughout our life, right? But then we learned this one is that people are like, okay, I need to go a little forward. Yeah, I'm moving. I'm moving, I'm making progress. And as I encouraged you to go faster, then I started to see the breakthroughs happen. And you figured it out. What's the key to go forward with the feather? What do you have to do? You have to what? You have to lean it forward, right? You have to go, go off balance, and then you can just follow it, right? You have to be biased toward the direction you want. That's the way I'm going. And the degree to which you're leaning in is directly related to the speed, right? So you watch, later we're gonna have like peacock feather races throughout the whole hotel. <laughs> It'll be amazing. You can also try this one. If you hold it like a dart, throw it straight up as hard as you can, it comes back down and it's pretty cool, right? So you could try that one too. So again, experiential learning. It's not just a great idea, you know, it's, it, it's what works. So this may surprise you. When I was 11 years old, I was what they called a hyperactive kid. No, it's true, it's true. I still am, I'm 51 years old now. People sometimes ask me, Dan, what are you gonna do when you get older? When you're 60, you're not gonna still be doing tumbling runs and handstand push-ups? And, and I say, yeah, it's just gonna be more impressive. Every year, <laughs> no. No, when I was 11, I needed a channel for that hyperactive energy. I was getting in trouble in school, and I was a good kid. I just, you know, wasn't completely focused. But I found it at this marvelous place called the King Richard's Renaissance Festival. Who has ever been to a Renaissance Fair? Anyone? Good. And if not, they're all over Florida and all over the country, really. Uh, amazing 16th century England recreated in its permanent form with the king and the queen and knights jousting on horseback and villagers and artists like my mother. My mom, Diana Thurman, was my first example of an artistic entrepreneur growing up in her household. She taught herself to paint out of, nice, out of necessity and discovered she had this necessity because we didn't have any money and she wanted artwork on our house. And she realized she had a talent for this and she started uh, selling paintings. Then people asked her, to teach the, asked her to teach them and she started teaching classes and she ran a mail order business doing pet portraits for people across the country who would send pictures of their animals and she'd send them back at 40 bucks a piece, right? So this is how my, my upbringing, the smell of paint and lugging mom's artwork in big boxes to these different shows and festivals. Well, when I was 11, it was the King Richard's Fair. And after getting mom set up on, on, on her day on her, in her shop, I just started wandering around this magical world. And there was a juggler, 
And one day I saw his show six times in a row because I was fascinated. And I learned his timing and his jokes and I was watching him working closer every single day until the last show when I was right up front. And he noticed and he said, kid, you've been here like all day. Are you lost? Do you have parents? Then he got an idea and he said, I know. Do you want to learn? And he reached back into his props and he grabbed three balls and he said, do you want to learn? And that's when I found that sense of purpose. And I know that sounds really weird, but here's why. When he asked me, do you want to learn? That's not what I heard. What I heard was, you can do this. You see the difference? I wasn't fishing for an invitation. I was curious about what he was doing, separating myself from it completely. Like that's not within me, right? He bridged the gap. And he was like, kid, you could do this. I can show you, this is yours. And if you think about it, the reason why you're in this profession, the reason why you are in your life, you could probably name the individuals who reached out to you and said, you have something special. You can do this. Let me show you, would you like to learn, right? We're all so close to our uniqueness. We don't think it's that important or that special. We think everybody has our strengths plus some, but they don't. You have your strengths. You have your uniqueness. And it's incredible. This is also the power that you wield when you reach out to others on your team or your members or the people in your life who are just struggling or, or need that validation. And you can validate who they are and why they are important and special. When, when people hear that, they want to rise to the level where they are, um, where they are seen and perceived by those whom they respect. So make sure you're doing a lot of that. And when you do, you know, then others are gonna wanna grow. I know I did. I know when my mentor said, you know, you can do this kid, or do you wanna learn? I wanted to put in the time and energy. And so I started practicing, and I got to the point where I could keep it going with three. It felt amazing. But then a new question came into my head. What do you think it was? How do I do four? So I tried the fourth ball the same way I knew how to do three. Do you think that worked? No, they hit each other, they hit the ground, it was a mess. I went back to my teacher and I asked him why this wasn't working and he said, Dan, stop and listen. When you add the fourth ball, you need to learn a new pattern. A new pattern. The pattern is the term that jugglers use to refer to the relationships between all of the objectives. And there's different patterns, there's different methods, there's different tricks, all that form these different patterns. But it's also what we do in our lives Patterns of thinking, patterns of action, patterns, patterns of leading or marketing or management or maintenance or, or you know, what it takes to compete with the other clubs in your region or what it takes to, to reach your ideal members or when different de demographics shift, how do your patterns need to adjust to stay relevant and to be able to speak to people's lives when their lives shift, your lives have to shift in order to support them differently. So it's these concept of patterns of thinking and action. And what I learned from Mike, he's like, you know, the three balls, when, when, when you can't build upon that pattern to get further, you need to learn something new. How willing are you to let go of your present patterns? Most people aren't. Most people want to stay with what's working and build upon it. But if you limit yourself to what's comfortable, you deny yourself what's possible. You hear that? If you limit yourself to what's comfortable, you deny you what you want, what's congruent with your purpose, that's on the other side of that disruptive pattern. 
And so I believe we need to be attuned to what makes us uncomfortable because it's a a disruption, and yet it's completely congruent with what we want, and that's the signal to lean into that moment and to say, I'm in, and to start that process of struggling. So here's what he showed me. Three balls cross your body, they go to the opposite hands, right? Even numbers, you hold it longer, it circles back to the same side. They sort of look like they're crossing, but four ball patterns really don't cross unless you're doing variations or fancier tricks, okay? And when he showed me this, just like you, I went, oh, that's amazing, that's good information. And I knew, almost as if I'd been to the four ball breakout session, right? (laughs) So I went home and I tried it then, I tried it again, and this time, it still didn't work because I hadn't practiced enough, I hadn't put in the time and energy. And the real key is I hadn't dropped enough. I had not struggled enough. I hadn't picked up those drops to confirm I was serious. And then again, until I was like really frustrated and I finally got to the point where I was like, all right, I'm tired of dropping. What do I need to do differently? How do I need to rethink this? Maybe I need to isolate just what one hand is doing and practice that. Break it down even a little step further. And I put in the time and energy. The struggle, and the whole point here, guys, is that the, the struggling is not optional. But you get to choose what you struggle to learn. You get to choose how you will engage that struggle. And that is really joy. That, what, the study and research that's been done upon people who, uh, about people who are experiencing flow or fulfillment or joy or success in their life, it's not from the absence of struggle. It's from the existence of struggle that's connected to a purpose, right? So if you're feeling like you're wandering, looking for the next thing. What you probably need is a new challenge that's directly connected to what you want. And reinvest yourself to that process. Because as I was struggling, as I was really going through that that process, I started to notice something I never expected. My three ball juggling was getting really, really good. The truth is, I never got the hang of four until I tried five. If you think what you're doing now is difficult, it's time to try something harder And when you do, this level gets easier. That's how you stretch. You don't master one level, learn all there is, and say, I am not ready to move on. No. You stretch into the struggle. You stretch into the uncertainty, and then the uncertainty will stretch you. Five balls goes back to a crossing pattern. And so, but now instead of having one in the year with the three, you have three in the year all the time, okay? So do you wanna know the secret to managing more in your life and at your club, to managing more volume, you know, increasing your capacity to be able to handle it without mistakes? Do you wanna know? Okay, there's two things, two things. The first one's fairly obvious, but really hard to do. The second one may surprise you, and the great news is you've already learned them both with your peacock feathers. First thing is to keep looking up, keep looking up. And I know that sounds so like motivational, right? Keep looking up everybody, like it's all about attitude. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it's about execution. Juggling is not about making great catches. It's about making perfect throws. And if your throws are accurate and consistent, the catches will happen. And when they don't, That's the anomaly, right? And you don't even really have to worry about it because it's uncommon and it's really just a matter of practice and time, but it's the throws that that are the key. 
Just as when you're trying to manage your life and your club, it's about what are my targets, what do I want, right? And then what is it I'm betting is gonna take me toward those targets? Am I doing the things consistently, day in, day out, that should make the result? And if so, if I'm not getting the result, maybe I need to adjust my targets, right? But the, mo and, but the moment I look down to confirm I'm making great catches, it's like, how's everything coming in? You can't see what's coming next. And you can't understand the relationship, the pattern of how they're all interconnected, right? So when everybody else on your team is so focused on what's wrong or what's broken or where the problems are, or the challenges, or you know, particular members and their issues, it's important to address those things, to validate those things. Those, those are the opportunities, right? To really, uh, to, to demonstrate your commitment to your members and your service and whatnot. But even in those moments, make sure it's always connected to the bigger idea the purpose. And when you're the one who can say, I get this. I know these struggles are hard and I know it's important, but remind me, what is it we're trying to accomplish? Why is this important? And when you can reorient your team to the what and the why, the, the purpose, then there are suddenly new answers. There might be their answers, not your answers, which might be better, right? So it's about cultivating that mindset of looking up. The second thing, that I said may surprise you is that when you add more to your life, when you add more to your challenge, you must learn to slow down. That's counterintuitive, counter right? Because people are like, no, I'm going faster than ever before. I'm racing to get through life. I'm constantly connected. There's so many demands. I just have to go faster and faster. Okay, but here's the problem. If that's your only move is to keep speeding up, life has no problem accelerating as well. Life never tires. You do. And so the only way to find control, which is what you want, to find clarity that the next choice, the next action is the right one, is the right one that's, that serves you and your, and your team and your life and your family. When if we want that kind of confidence moving through life, you need to get very good at finding the space between the throws and catches. The space between what you were doing and what you are doing next. What you hear and how you choose to respond and allowing those moments, even if they're very short, to expand for you and to live and occupy those spaces like we talked about in the beginning. Uh, science, scientists, research studies, countless studies, look them up, have mapped the brains of human beings engaged in multitasking and found that we don't do anything like that. You can't think two thoughts at once. You perform what's called the quick switch, where your brain will engage a thought, something else distracts you, the first one turns off milliseconds before the next one turns on. This is what you're doing all day long. You're turning on and off the circuitry of your brain so that you can handle what's coming at you. Um, but you can't think two thoughts at once. You don't have dual processors. You can learn something so well it becomes unconscious and run kind of in the background and not think about it and kind of go through your day just kind of scanning. But when it comes to your best contributions and forward progress, it's one thing at a time. So again, place your focus where you want it to be and allow those spaces to expand. Watch, I could get them all up in the air at once, rushing, they all overwhelm me at once when they come down. Or I could slow down and I could handle just the next one. See how slow it is? You can even hear it. Can you see the pattern? Some of you? A few of you? 
Anybody? Wait, hold on. I want to make sure all of you get this. So at this point, we're going to now implement some technology and help make it, I think, more abundantly clear. Almost there. I think we're ready. Oh, yeah. Lights, please. Thank you, Mark. Here we go. Voila. Don't fall off the stage, Dan. Yes. All right, now. Can you see the pattern? Some say it looks like the wings of a butterfly. I prefer to see an infinity sign. Watch one ball as it arcs back and forth, crossing in the middle. And yes, they are changing colors. You're not freaking out. <laughs> but the creation of the pattern is what enables me to manage the complexity. Keep watching these two. <laughs> Almost dropped one. Now patterns will, oh sorry, patterns will adjust and change over time. Let me show you. Patterns will adjust and change over time, depending on your demands. But the key is, it is all in your hands. Lights, please. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate that. Thank you for the applause. I do appreciate the applause, but I hope you know by now that's not why I do it, right? Do you get that? I can tell it's confusing. I see some of you looking at me like, what are we even watching? Is this a show? Is this a speech? Like, what is Dan doing? And I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm giving you everything I've got. Like everything that I've got and all that I am. Why? Because our lives are intersecting at this one moment. I get one chance to contribute something of value that you will remember and use and pass along to people you care about. So why would I not show up with my lifelong passions, my risks, my stories, the people in my life who've had meaning? Because that's your challenge as well. Every day is to show up to your moments, your challenges, both personal and professional, bringing all of you all of you, not just your work self, not just your personal self, but your uniqueness, your strengths. And, and I wanted you to understand that pattern so you have that image in your mind because we're about to take that concept to a whole new level and hopefully really help you with this idea of how to reconcile your work and life challenges at once. If we can roll that video, please, Mark. Direct your attention to the screens. And whether you think about this for you or for the people you care about or for your team and culture, I think it will really help. This comes from Off Balance on Purpose. So what are your five spheres? There's five spheres in your life going on all the time. First, there's your work, your professional commitments, your relationships, your health, your spirit, and your interests or your passions. First, there's your work. So let's watch this work ball go back and forth. Now, this means, you know, what are your professional objectives? We're off balance in that direction here, talking about how we can be more effective and relevant and grow and, yeah, be become better managers. But a typical conversation about balance is how do you reconcile all that time and energy with your relationships, with the people you care about, the people you care for? And a lot of advocates say you must compartmentalize your life protect your time in each area so that they don't interfere with each other, which can we all agree is ridiculous. There's not enough time to do it. It doesn't apportion evenly and they're always intersecting in your head. Plus you have more spheres, your health, 
You know, where are you going to get the energy to be there for the people you care about or for your work, not just today, but for the long term? So your health-related goals of exercise, nutrition, rest, huge, hydration, I mean, super important, right? And, and it's not a separate thing. It's interconnected. Spiritual growth or fueling your spirit means different things to all of us, depending on our personal beliefs and, or faith or for some, it's about getting involved in your community and finding ways to, to create more outreach opportunities, which will also be extremely attractive to your team and, and employees. Others, it's about practicing disciplines. What I'm saying is you, you can't give away what you don't have. So your spirit must be full. Personal interests, all right? What is it you, uh, you love? Maybe like me, you discovered something early in life, right around that magic age about... 11, 12, 13 years old, when you're searching for identity and you found something, an area of study or a hobby or activity, and you're like, this is me. And over time, we relegate those to lower on our lists, thinking we'll get back to them someday. But what if you could show up with all of you every day in this concept of a pattern and, and think they don't have to be mutually exclusive. They must be mutually supportive, connected in this concept of infinite growth and potential. And, and it's possible to do that. It really, truly is to be your full self. However, if you were to freeze frame life, it doesn't look balanced. It looks off balance any given moment because there's something in your hand you're dealing with now and others that are completely out of your reach, out of your reach, and yet still connected to you, right? That's the key. There, just because something's away from you in the moment doesn't mean it's disconnected. It's part of your life. And, the, and they're all connected to each other. Watch this. If I were to draw a line, this is called a lifeline between work and relationships, that line implies this question. Well, how are they connected? All right, we work to take care of our loved ones. We go back to our family and friends. We get re-energized. We bring that back to our job. But what if we could strengthen that line so that when they're pulled apart or stretched or tested because of demands in one or both areas, we can still maintain that connection. I've been married 25 years. We have two amazing kids, Eddie's 20, our daughter Maggie's 17. All their life, there have been these periods of time, like today, where I'm just not there because I'm gone doing speeches and being with clients and consulting and whatnot. But we've had to strengthen that lifeline from their earliest memories by helping them understand what I do and why I do it. I traveled, we traveled with our kids when they were really young, a lot. I still do sometimes with my, with my son or daughter when I can take them out of school and um, you know, really bring them on the road and connect them to my work because that way all their travel clo clothing and food is tax deductible too, which is cool. <laughs> so, but, but the question is, how do you connect the people you care about to your job? Okay, how about this one? Does your job support your desire to be healthy? Or does your professional environment challenge your health? And if so, what are you going to do about that? And are you creating a workplace where that's the norm for your team? Not sustainable. Are we practicing our spiritual beliefs and fueling our spirit and, and our personal interests in the context of your professional environment? Are you building a culture where people care about each other and understand what their passions are and can, and can rely on that? Because that's going to be so important. Are we in relationships that support our desires to be, grow healthy, to, to be healthy and grow spiritually and share personal connections and interests, right? And so you're getting the idea that everything is connected to everything. 
And rather than looking at these as mutually exclusive, we must see them as mutually supportive. We need to understand that we need to bring our full connected self. And then when life's in motion, it doesn't look balanced, but it is connected. And it starts with this higher arching belief that this is the goal and ambition. And this is super fun because this allows you to design your life and make choices in a way that you're not just firing on one cylinder or another, but you're looking for great reasons to put it all together. Like for, for 12 years, I played drums in my church band. You know, personal interest connected to spiritual growth and my friendships and my son who played guitar and all this kind of stuff goes together. I love, uh, I love playing golf. Golf is a passion of mine too. So I look for opportunities to play with, with clients. I look for opportunities to connect my passions to my travels in golf. And I, I would never walk away from an opportunity to speak to all of you without saying, hey, if you'd like, invite me to your club. I'd love to come play, right? You know, so, so we could do that as well. But you know, we look for opportunities to grow and connect. Did that make sense to you? And it's, more, it's actually doable, right? It's doable, we can make better choices along the way. The infinite loop, also very important. And, and it goes back to a story in eighth grade that shaped me again in a profound way. I remember my teachers called my parents in for conversation and they said, he's doing okay, he's making good grades, he's just not reaching his full potential. And I remember vividly in that moment thinking, that's ridiculous, why would I reach my full potential in eighth grade, right? <laughs> But the truth is you never do. You never reach your full potential because never in human history has somebody tried to learn a new idea and run out of disk space. We run out of willingness, we run out of interest, but the more you learn, the more you can learn. Your capacity increases. The more you love and invest yourself with caring in this world, the greater your capacity to care, love, give, Give hope, right, to others. The more you create, the more you can create. That's why the best artists don't run out of music or, or paintings. The art's within them, and the more they do, the more they can do. So it's this belief in this infinite potential, which is liberating because it says no matter what's happened in the past, no matter what kind of junk you've got back there, right, from this moment, all of it is useful. All of it counts. And infinite potential still awaits you if you can orient yourself in a way that you can connect what matters most and step into it. I know that gets a little like philosophical and maybe may break down for you when you're dealing with something that's really hard hitting and heavy in your life. So I brought one of those challenges as well to help illustrate. All right, we got it. All right, so here's the question. What is your bowling ball? What is the biggest weight in your world today? Don't tell me, but think about it. It might be one of those five spheres. It may be a specific challenge you're dealing with right now. Maybe it's something so personal you haven't told another soul. How will you make it happen? Maybe you need to dig down deep, Beth, and strength within you to work harder than ever have before, right? Maybe you need to do that, but maybe it's not always about working harder. It could be about working smarter, getting creative, using your head. Or at least making it look that way, right? It's okay, it's okay. So I'll throw it back here. Thank you, Todd. Todd, I see your name badge. I, 
I'm okay, I'm sorry, that is not a real bowling ball. Are you okay? Uh, no, it's, it's not a real, I'm, a, I'm all right, you can relax. I'm very sorry, but even though it is not a real bowling ball, it does make a very real point. And I could tell watching you watching me at this moment, you're still not ready for the point, are you? So all together, a big deep breath, let's do it. And let it go. All right, here's the point. A moment ago, I asked you a very simple question. What's your bowling ball? Isn't it amazing how quickly you knew the answer? Because we all have them, right? And we think they're just for us. We think it's just so much. We keep it so personal, locked in inside us. May I propose that whatever it was you were thinking about may not be as daunting or dangerous as you think today? Because from this moment, your fear and your doubt and your uncertainty amplifies the weight of that challenge, right? You've been preparing for your future all your life. What changes is the way you step into that moment to create something new, to create something, a, a new possibility, a new hope, right? A new challenge, intentional struggle. I want to illustrate this uh, by connecting a lifeline to someone in this audience whom I have not yet met. I don't know who it is yet. Let me describe this person and we'll see who comes up. Um, but I think it's gonna be someone in the audience, probably a woman in this audience, uh, who we don't know each other, you're not a juggler, you don't understand how to, the physicality of all this stuff's going on, but it's just about you believe. You believe that if you step into uncertainty, something great can happen, and that you can trust me, and we can be on stage for a, a moment or time together, uh, and you can walk away enriched, and maybe along that journey, help everyone else in their life find a breakthrough moment as well. If that may be you, take a deep breath and just raise your hand and we'll see who it may be. A woman in the room, right? Raising a hand at any moment. Yes, I see your hand first in the peak. Would you please come up, ma'am? We'd give her a little round of applause as she steps to the stage. All right. Fantastic, not a plant in the audience. We haven't worked this out in advance, right? No. You, no, we haven't worked this out. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Audra. Audra, beautiful name. Come over here, Audra, on the other side of the lectern. We're gonna stand center stage. So we haven't worked this out. Do you know how to juggle? No. Okay, do you think it's possible you could learn how to juggle on stage with me in just a few minutes? Sure. Okay, sure. Did you, did you hear some hesitancy in that response? I could detect there's some doubt. But you know what, Audra, let me rephrase the question. What if I work with you where you're already comfortable? I'll do at least half the work on my side so we're totally in it together. And we're just going to learn together. We're not going to master this, but we're just going to get a little further in the process. Do you think we could do that? Sure. Okay, awesome. So, again, managing her belief. When you're working with somebody new, you need to understand First of all, I hired her on her attitude, right? And she's on stage with me. Her skills and her confidence, I wanna build on her strength, I wanna build on her belief, but you can't learn something while telling yourself it probably won't work. So we have to start by stretching belief. I brought with me some objects, Audra, which are so great for learning. These are what we call in the juggling biz, they're called juggling scarves, they fall super slowly. So I can take my time, it's like that one goes there, that one goes there, I could even miss it a couple times, come back later and still catch the scarf. It's like learning in slow motion, which is why we are not using scarves. Yes. 
I mean, that's not realistic. When is the last time you got to learn something important in slow motion? Never. Any of you? No, life doesn't work that way. So to make this more realistic, here's what we're gonna do. Can you relate? Yeah. Now, Audra, unlike the bowling ball, these are real. You can actually see the edges uh, where I use a grinder. You can tell that. It's a pretty sharp I'm go edge sit right back there. Down now. No, 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 no. Listen, listen. <laughs> I use a grinder. I keep them sharp, just you know, to hold myself accountable. But there's no way that I would ask you to juggle knives this early in our relationship. That would be ridiculous. But what I'm doing is intentional. Once I show her the extreme of what may one day be possible, she'll be much more open to the idea of using these. Right? Suddenly, these look a lot easier. You're going to be great. You're going to be great. Good job. Good job. Oh, God. <laughs> I noticed you went for that right-handed. Are you right-handed? Yes. Okay, cool. So I want to use her strength. You can be on the right side. I'll take your left hand. You come over here to me, and you can put your hand behind your back. I will be your left hand. You will be my right hand. We are totally in this together, okay? And just take a deep breath with me. Ready? <laughs> or laugh, or laugh uncontrollably. That's okay too. No, you're doing great. So remember what I said about focus. Above your hand, there's going to be an imaginary spot somewhere right around here. Okay. okay. So you're just going to look up and try to find that spot. I make the throw, you look for it, and then you catch it. Very, very nice. Then in order to throw it to me, you're going to make a little scooping motion, pick a spot above my hand, push it up, and then just I'll catch it on this side. Go ahead, throw, let go, just turn and release and let go. That was a perfect throw. Okay. One more time, I throw to you. And then one more time, you throw to me. Now, when we, um, when we put this into practice in real life, I notice one thing you're doing now is you're looking up and then you're kind of peeking at your hand. People do this, I think, just to make sure their hand is still there, okay? <laughs> but, but, but what we're going to do uh, eventually is get to the point, you, and this will happen naturally, where you learn to trust yourself and you be, you're able to look up and see it and your hand will kind of know exactly where to go. So go back to one, one to me, back again the other way, back to you. Back to me. Back to you. You're doing awesome. Back to me. Oh. Yeah, you, know, you can even slow it down even a little bit more. We got plenty of time. All right. And notice, ladies and gentlemen, we're starting to feel a rhythm. She's relaxing, getting more confidence. Also notice one ball by itself is not that entertaining, <laughs> right? Except for us. This is cool, right? Yeah. But, to, but the consistency of that first throw is so important if we want to build and go further. When you're working with team members, when you're working with members, when you're working with you know, just others in life, it's about understanding, again, belief, strength, it's partnership, what is your role, what is my role, delegation. It's about understanding how things are happening, communication, how are my throws coming in. But you gotta spend a lot of time with that first throw, with that first challenge, build a foundation before you rush ahead and say, oh, here's the job, right? because you're setting yourself up for failure. If we understand the fundamentals, if we spend a ton of time talking about them, building on them, sharpening them, revisiting them, then we can get to the point where we can actually make some pretty impressive things happening. So Audra, I want to juggle all three balls with you on stage today. Get to a point where we can at least keep it managed for a, a short while. You tell me, how many catches do you think we should make to say we've been successful? Five. Five, most people say three, you're thinking big. I like that, I like that, all right? But you know what? If we just went one more catch to six, that would be two rotations of the three ball pattern. Three for you, three for me. They'd see the rhythm out there. You'd feel it. Would you go to six? It's just one Absolutely, more. Yeah. You see how I just upsold her on her own goal, 
right? I met her where she was, validated her thinking, and then explained how going just a little, little further have big, has big rewards. And we might even beat that goal, who knows? But, but now we have a stretched expectation. We're also leaving out the one other important element because all of your goals have deadlines generally, right? Do you have that sense of urgency? So we're gonna give you that same sense of urgency by giving you a time limit, which is the length of this piece of music which will help us feel the rhythm. Hit it, please. Oh, Take a deep right breath. Now. Yeah, we're going now. Right. Take a deep breath. You ready? Yeah. Music, please, Mark. Thank you very much. Okay, looking up, and I start first. Here we go. Back to you, back to me. Back to you, back to me. Don't forget to breathe. Keep breathing. Back and forth. All right, you're doing great. One more to me. Hold this one, and then stop. Give her some love, everybody. Yeah. You're doing great. All right, the next step is to be to sequence our throws together. So you start first, I go underneath yours. Go. You throw, go for it, and then I throw, then you catch. Okay, okay, we'll start again. That's good. Wait, what? No, no, I don't know. What are you doing? <laughs> Let's do it one more time. You start first, go. Throw, throw, catch, catch. One more time, you start. Good. Stop. Make sure yours goes all the way across when you throw it. One more time. Yeah, that way I can go right underneath it. Perfect. This time I'll start first. You go underneath mine. Here it comes. Ready? One, two, catch, catch. Oh my goodness. Most people don't get that the first time. That was amazing. Yes. You're doing great. And here's why. If I start first, she's now throwing while catching. It becomes that quick switch that we talked about earlier. But don't think about that, Audra. That will confuse you. Instead, just focus on the rhythm of our actions. One more time. You start first. Go. Throw, throw. Now this time, I'll start first. Throw, throw. Look up. Good. You start. You're doing so great. And now I'll start. Okay. okay. Oh, yeah. You start. Here you go. Here you go. No, you got it. You're doing great. She's so ready. I'll start first. Throw, throw, catch, catch, good. And now, if you're practicing in your own mind, and I can tell some of you are because your heads are going back and forth, always start with a hand that has two. Otherwise, if Audra starts, they're all on my side. But if I start, I throw, then you throw, and now there's a new objective in my hand, what should I do with it? Throw it, right? This is a great rule for life and for management. If the ball's in your hand, throw it. In other words, take action when you have the idea, when you see an opportunity to praise someone or to handle something or to express a value or whatever it may be, follow your intuition and find how that, that gut feeling can support great actions. All right, we're gonna keep going. You don't need this hand. All right, I'll start first. We're gonna keep going. Ready? And one and two and three and four. That's it, keep looking up. Almost there, this time we're just gonna keep going. One and two, three and four. Look up. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Look at my partner. Look at this woman. She's amazing. Audra. All right. Wow. Incredible. Man, I'll take that back. Before you leave, before you leave, you even have the. We didn't even get to the sax solo. That's amazing. You could fade that out, Mark. That was incredible. Did you do better than you thought you would? Yeah. You looked like a pro up here. You almost made it look too easy. Was it fun? It was totally fun. Good, but in order for this to be her own skill, what does she need to do, to do next? Not knives, who said knives? <laughs> Not doing that, but you're right. Juggle by yourself, go solo. 
She needs to practice. We're not going to um, put that on you right now at this moment, but I want to prepare you for that future moment. And again, it's the same thing. It's the one ball back and forth. So now you're not just doing your right hand, but you're doing your left hand. You're reinforcing that one ball back and forth. And by the way, this infinite loop, this infinite pattern going back and forth, you could practice standing over your bed in your hotel room so you don't have to bend down too much, right? And when you drop it, you could, it's right there. It's pretty cool. And then you go to the other one. You start with one side. You start with the other side. Boom. And then you get to the point where you could do it either way and you realize it's just like walking. It's like right and then left and then you don't freak out and say, oh, what do I do now? You just start over and take the next step and make the next throw, right and left, right and left. You can do this, but you need the right tools. So I have a gift for you. Here's your own set of juggling balls and also a copy of Off Balance on Purpose, uh, which I'd love to sign for you later. Thank you for being my partner on stage today. And watch your step going down. That was amazing, Audra. Thank you, for, thank you for raising your hand. Your risk became our reward because everyone in this room was with you. That's the secret about inviting someone up on stage. When you do, you really effectively bring the whole audience on stage. Because you felt that, right? A lot of them were thinking, oh, thank God it's not me, right? <laughs> Some were thinking, I wish it was. Isn't she amazing? How brave are you? Your risk became our reward because we got to see you go through real struggles and thoughts and then find a way to rise to the challenge. But I bet you also identified with me. Were you doing that? Were you thinking about me, watching me? Finding, uh, how does he work with somebody he's never met before? This is an uncertain situation. It's how does he make this happen? By helping her with her thought process and through her strengths and by doing some of the work and getting to this point and encouraging and phrasing things in different ways. The point is you do both parts every single day. You have to lead by example as the student. What are you learning? How vulnerable are you to others in, in the idea that you don't have to be perfect? You can step into a circumstance and say, hey guys, bear with me here. I just want you to know, I'm still figuring this part of it out. And when you do, when you voice that you don't have all the answers, suddenly you gain credibility as someone who is confident enough to own that, right? And then you release that environment throughout your team and they, they're, they're more willing to share ideas and questions and what they aren't quite sure of so that together we can find better answers and we can all continue to learn together, right? You do both parts every single day. And that's that infinite loop of learning. And if you are committed to that, then you finally do get to a point where you can manage even the, the complex stuff, right? You can even say, that used to look intimidating, but now I think I'm ready because it's kind of like, it's kind of like club juggling. I mean, club juggling, these are, these are the clubs that we talked about earlier, right? And, and you know, club management is, is key to my thing. And all of you have your own unique strategies. And, you know, some of you have a more straightforward, matter-of-fact approach to the way you run your club. Others tend to be much more creative. It's like, we, you know, right? But regardless, regardless of the challenge, those are clubs, right? These are kind of like clubs, only different, right? Only the consequences are a little higher. They're all uniquely weighted and shapes. But if I limit myself to what's comfortable, I deny myself what's possible. In other words, I've just upped my commitment. Up yours. <laughs> up, up your commitment. Up your commitment. 
when you get specific, when you take on that extra challenge, you need to get clear, specific about what the goal really is. In other words, catch the handle. That's an important distinction. And they're all unique. But the moment one of them is out of my hand, it's also out of my what? It's out of my control. I need to let, let it go so I can handle the next one uniquely toward a different target. If you feel overwhelmed in your life or on the job, it's probably from the inability to let go from what's already out of your hands. You must let go in order to get a grip, to grasp reality so that you can influence the process. You see? It's not about being perfect. It's about being present and finding the space between the throws and the catches. It's not even a big show-stopping thing I'm going for here. I want you to just see. It's like, it's almost like a relaxed meditation of excellence. It's just a meditation of one thing at a time with precision in that space. You know, we could even find the variety, find the changes along the way. Yeah. All right, one more thing. All right, I've got uh, one more quick demonstration that will also reinforce visually what we're talking about, and then I'm gonna close with a story uh, before lunch. So this is the best way I really explored balance. I was about 12 years old when I said, I'm gonna try this sucker. It was a little shorter at the time, but this is a great way to illustrate this concept, again, in a very, very visual way, if you might still be on the fence. All right, so I'm gonna just jump up here. It's also a good way, excuse me, it's also a good way for me to come say hello to the folks in the back of the room in the chief seats. How are we doing back here, my friends? All right, hello, hello, you're doing awesome. High five. All right, when I first tried to ride a six-foot unicycle, I learned a lot about balance super quickly. First of all, I tried it like this, thinking I'd be closer to the ground just to be careful. Sorry about the view, but I realized when I looked at the ground, I went where? Down. Down to the ground super quickly. We're always going to be drawn toward where we focus. So the only way to find control and ease, like relaxation in the moment, while you're dealing with such uncertainty, is to be able to look further than others are willing to look, breathe into that moment, but then in order to go forward, what's my first move? You lean forward off balance on purpose. You start falling toward your face and then you chase your body with the unicycle so you don't get to your face, right? But if I'm apprehensive about trying something new, I may start going backwards or I may just stay right here, all right? This is called idling, idling. It's the illusion of progress or productivity. It's like, hey everybody, check me out. I am still right here. <laughs> because I'm stopping myself. I'm holding back my progress. And you can idle in ways that are pretty impressive, pretty exciting, a lot of personality. But we don't want to do that. We want to keep going. We want to keep leaning into the next challenge so that you can take your stage for what's to come. All right. So, Couple quick things. I, you never know who's in your audience is a huge belief of mine. You'll see why in just a second. But I started something about two years ago where I took something that was a product of mine that I was selling and I just started giving it away to my audiences. 
And it's a weekly video coaching series, two to three minute videos that are very specific and they're always shot on location, wherever I might be. I shot one here in Sarasota last night. So if you wanna see that, you can get involved and watch this and then you can share these with your friends. Absolutely free content, really good content. I work really hard. In fact, my son Eddie is the editor while he's away at school at Berklee College of Music in Boston. He's also a really good video editor, as you'll see. He edits my videos. So every week I'm collaborating with my son. I'm paying him while he's at school. He's making some good money in these windows of time that he has to work on the videos. And we're, you know, enjoying that lifeline connection of his work, my work. We're talking every single week. Also, as you watch the videos and you hear the, uh, the advice that I share, you know, it's for you, for sure but also it's from my boy, right? And I know he's watching it because I pay him. <laughs> so if we could pull up that slide, uh, Mark, if you will. So this is how you do it. This is how you get it. If you just take out your, your smartphone and just like that, at the top, you put the number 44222, text the word lifelines, no space, just the word lifelines. Go ahead and just do that. You'll get a reply. It'll ask for your email. You put that in. I don't spam you. I don't sell to you. I just give you good stuff every week. Unsubscribe with one click if it gets to be too much, but I don't think you will because we work really hard to make it special. All right. You ready for the, the last story? I mentioned you never know who's in your audience. It's so true. I'm here because you were in my audience. I'm here and that's how my career has grown. You never know who's out there who sees in you something special and says, I'd like to help you go further in your life. 1994, okay, so I graduated um, college in 1990 from the University of Georgia. Prior to that, in 84, I moved from Chicago, where my family lived, to the Atlanta area, where my dad is from, and I finished high school here, and then I decided to go to college. My, my performance business, from the time I was 12, 13 years old, I had my own act. I had all these skills, juggling, unicycling, stilt walking, fire, like I could do all these things. And I was a kid and people were hiring me. I got to, to Atlanta, I started making connections with other agencies and started performing there. And then my parents in what was probably the greatest sales close of all time said this, you know what, Dan, you're making pretty good money for a kid, you know, for someone your age. I'll bet that if you paid for your own education, it will be that much more meaningful to you. And I was like, yeah, I could do that, I'll do that. So I started, so I went to UGA, self-financed my education, my business degree, and I was growing my business from just a one-man show into an entertainment company where I was booking other acts. Kind of my, my own business became my case study while I was at college, and I was having a blast with this. I was also learning about personal development from all these other cassettes I'd listened to, like Wayne Dyer and Zig Ziglar and Tony Robbins and, and you name it, uh, Brian Tracy, I just loved feeding my head with all this info. And then I started to notice how all these passions and connections were coming together into one thing. And so it was 1994, I was at Callaway Gardens, which is south of Atlanta, I was performing there, and a man in my audience approached me at the end of the show. Everyone else walked away, but this older gentleman in his late 70s walked right up to me and he said, hello, my name is Merck Smith. Merck Smith, and Merck told me he was once a juggler. He had taught himself how to juggle balls, uh, and then, you know, obviously he wanted to learn clubs as the next big thing, but then Merck was sent to war during World War II. He was stationed in England, Africa, 
and then Italy. And it was in Italy in 1944 that his troupe was visited by a USO tour, a group of entertainers and celebrities who put on a show for these soldiers. There was a juggler in that act. And so this man uh, talked with him and hearing that, that he wanted to learn clubs, that guy said, oh, I know a guy, a world-class performer and also a furniture maker. He makes his own clubs. He makes them for other friends and for people who need, need the equipment, right? So if you'd like, I'm happy to give you his name and give you his address. And Merck gladly accepted the name and address of Harry Lind. And now I know you know who Harry is, right? Merck ordered five clubs. They were waiting for him when he got home. He learned three really well. He learned four just a little. Then he thought other things in his life became more important. So he returned them to the original box, placed it on a shelf in his garage where they'd been when I met him for 49 years. He said, I still have them. I always thought maybe one day I'd run into a juggler who could use them. And if you like, I'm happy to just give them to you. Wow, I, I was shocked. I had just met this man. I, I didn't know how I could possibly repay such a generous gift. But don't worry, I accepted. <laughs> oh yeah, we were at his house the next day. Took down the box, grabbed it, opened it up, moved over the grass to be careful. Because I, I picked him up and I, realized, I thought I was thinking, Harry Lind made these, he must have juggled them just to make sure they felt right. And so I will too. They were lighter than I thought. And what really surprised me is that when they hit your hands because they're hollowed out in the tone of the wood, they resonate with each catch. Ping, ping, almost like playing music. Different patterns made different tempos. Uh, it felt great. I even finished without a drop. I looked at Merck, and we both looked at the fourth club, and I picked that one up, and again, that fell perfectly. Still no drops. And we looked at the fifth club together, and I, I was at that edge of my ability. I was off balance, but it was so on purpose because it wasn't about me. It was about the man who believed in me, about the legacy of what came before. And in that moment, I, I sort of tricked myself into getting it right, into letting go and finding this perfect pattern of all five clubs together for about 12 catches, which later enabled me to go learn it for real. I thanked Merck, I brought him back home, and I. I wasn't quite sure what to do, so I hung them on my wall and displayed them like a, like a piece of history, like a prize. People would come over and ask, and I could tell them the story. And the more I told it, the less meaningful it really seemed to be. It happened for two years like that, until finally one day when I was walking by the clubs on my wall, I, I remembered what Harry, uh, or what Merck said to me when he offered the gift of the clubs in the first place. He said, I always thought maybe one day I'd run into a juggler who could use them, right? They were never intended to hang on a wall. They were designed to fly. Merck waited almost 50 years to give them to the right guy, and he picked me. With every gift we receive comes a responsibility to use the gift, and you all have them in plenty, the gifts you were born with, the others you've acquired through your lifetime. So... Mine aren't on my wall. I brought them with me. And before I leave you, I want to share them one more time. I bring three when I travel with them and when I put them in the shows, which isn't really always the case, but I thought, how perfect is this? Because we're talking about club managers. We're talking about an association 
We're talking about a legacy that's 70 years old in terms of your story. These are 75, my story. And they're gonna break one day. The problem with them when they were brand new is the jugglers who use them always had orders for more because they're so light. When they hit a wooden stage, they shatter. These may break, maybe today, and I'd hate that. But it would be much worse not to know what it felt like to use them, to share them, and to hear the sound. Listen. My wedding ring actually helps on the other side, too. There it is. But the music only happens when you put them all together. And the same is true here. We're all given gifts, some we're born with, God-given, I believe. Others we acquire through our relationships, through our experience, your education, your struggles, and from days like today. And what I learned from Merck is that in order for your gifts to appreciate in value, it's not enough to appreciate the gift, to hang it on the wall, to be proud. Nope. You need to use it. Use it like Harry did with that first club until you're tired, until you're sore, until you're frustrated. You need to put it down and rest and regroup so that the next day you can pick it right back up again. I look forward to continuing the conversation. If you uh, do reply to those emails each week, I get them, I read them, I'll be happy to discuss what's new with you. If you've got a request for a future topic, please share those as well. Uh, and I do think, Beth, we have some books available too. If you'd like, if you're interested in the book, uh, they're for sale here and we can sign them and send, sell them. But, uh, but I would just be happy to just talk with you as well. But for now, for now as we close, let's just listen. Thanks for listening. This has been Education Elevated on the FLCMA Podcast Network. Download other episodes on a myriad of different topics for anyone in your club or organization, regardless of their job title or description. We'll see you next time.